Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. There's two ways you can build your business, passive or active, and I chose the active way, where I went out and looked for my own business rather than waiting for it to show up. Best ever listeners, I want to mention Lima One Capital, and I found out about them through a guest that I was interviewing on the show, and he mentioned how he was scaling his business. He was actually buying 10 single-family homes within one year. And I asked him, how were you able to buy 10 single-family homes and how were you financing that? He's like, oh, well, I just use an asset-based lender. I was like, who is that? And he told me it's a Lima One Capital. I reached out to them afterwards, got to know them, and they are the sponsor of today's episode because they've got some unique lending programs. Uh, One of them is called Rental 30, where, as I mentioned, they're an asset-based lender. So They're lending based on the property's appraised value, as well as they look at the down payment that you're bringing to the table and the cash reserves. Uh, They'll lend up to 75% loan to value. And this is huge. This is huge because typically as a single family investor, uh, your lending strength is based on your personal income, as well as how many properties you have, how many loans you have out. There's no restrictions on portfolio size with their Rental 30 program. Go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Sign up, learn more about the program. That's lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. They also have a program for fix and flippers. Even if you haven't done a fix and flip, they'll still lend to you. They've been in the business uh, since 2010. So they've been around the block. They know their underwriting guidelines. They're not loosey-goosey, but they do have a very specific uh, criteria um, that helps beginning fix and flippers get their fix and flip projects done, as well as experienced fix and flippers. They reward you as an experienced fix and flipper, and you actually get a lower interest rate and lower origination fee. Again, go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. And some legal stuff I have to say, it is Lima One Capital LLC. And the NMLS ID number is 1324403. And their address is 201 East McBee Avenue, Suite 300, Greenville, South Carolina, 29601. Again, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. If you're looking for a fix and flip loan, or if you're looking for a buy and hold investment property and you're trying to finance it and you want it to be asset based, 
lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff. We don't do it. We only talk about the real estate advice that moves your business forward And then we move on with our day because you're a very busy entrepreneur. We understand that. With us today, we got David Kerner. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, My pleasure. And a little bit about David, and then he'll get into it in more detail. He's been in real estate for 20 years as a realtor broker in residential sales. He's also been doing property management for eight years and has 50 clients. He started investing one year ago and has seven buy and holds with the focus of growing his property management company as well as investing business to get that uh, residual income. You can say hi to him at his name, which is David Kerner, K-E-R-N-E-R.com. And he is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. That being said, David, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, you pretty much uh, summed up my business career in a nutshell there. I've been selling real estate for a while now, and uh, it's kind of feel felt a while ago that I did not own an asset, more so I owned a job. And, um, you know, you can only make as much money in a job as time you have willing to spend doing it. You know, after reading, you know, Kiyosaki's books and a few other books, Kind of open up my eyes. I'd rather I'd rather own assets versus own a job. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into um, property management, and I got into investing because this way I can have assets under my belt and control them and run them and kind of duplicate it and automate the systems. You've been in property management for eight years. You have fifty clients. How many units do you have under management? Actually, I guess what the best way to say is I have 50, about 50 to 54 properties that we're currently managing right now. Okay. I have not been doing property management aggressively until about a year ago. Now my focus is on property management. In the past, I was helping out customers um, who couldn't sell their property, do property management, and now I'm focusing on that as a major asset that I want to own as a property management business where I can exclusively help out landlords and investors really make the best of their assets, get the most income out of it as possible. When did you really start focusing on growing property management company? I would say probably this time last year. I'd say probably beginning of the year, January, as part of my business plan last year. Okay, so January of 2015, now we're a little over a year since then. How many properties did you have under management at that time? i say probably about 23. 23, so you've doubled it. Correct. How did you double your business once you started focusing on it? Well, I, I actually focused on the business and going out of my way to get the business, whereas before... It was either falling into my lap or I was helping a real estate customer. Now I'm making it a focus. So the way that I operate my business, I do a lot of prospecting, um, primarily telephone prospecting. And in my conversations with people, sellers, buyers all day, I'm always asking the question, 
if they're ever consider renting their property as an option, and if so, who are you planning on having manage the property for them? Just by focusing on it and asking questions, I'm able to attract more and take on more customers. And, and, and as you take on more customers, it actually leads to kind of a snowball effect where you'll ultimately find some people that have more than one property or somebody that knows somebody that has a property, and it kind of creates a snowball effect. So between uh, a little over a year, you've got 21 new properties under management, and maybe there's more, maybe there's some turnover, but the, the net result was 21 additional properties under management. From an just estimating standpoint, or maybe you know specifics, how many owners are within those 21 properties? I'd say about uh, 17. Okay. Yeah, you have been busy then because those are those are uh, 17 new clients that you got. So you're essentially getting a little over a client a month or about a client a month for the last 12 to, you know, 13. How do you make money on that? I know I, I think, you know, I, most of the best ever listeners and myself know the business model, but as far as how the fee structure that you did, can you get there you have, can you get into the specifics of that? The fee structure that we have, which seems to be pretty traditional for our market area, but ours are very competitive. We will find a tenant, we'll procure a tenant, put together a lease, and and get the property leased out for half a month's rent, which is pretty standard in our area. And then what we charge is 8% a month to manage the property on an ongoing basis. Got it. Okay. And, And any other fees involved? Uh, actually, there's a lot of other companies out here that do have a lot of other fees, but at this time, no, we don't. So if if a tenant stays in the property for 12 months and then decides to sign a new lease, there's no fee to re-sign the lease? At this point, no. We don't have that right now in the, in the building stage of our business. Right now, we're just charging whenever we procure a tenant. Okay. With the software that you use, have you evolved that, or do you have a particular software that you currently use? I do. I do. I I looked at a few different softwares, and I wanted something that was simple and cost-effective. And the one I'm using right now is called Rentech Direct, R-E-N-T-E-C, direct.com. I have not come across that before. Pretty good, and their customer support's excellent. I like them. How'd you find renttechdirect.com? Good question. Well, I was on bigger pockets looking around, and that name kept coming up with a few other names. I looked at reviews on Google, um, tried the three I figured were the top uh, reviewed ones, and I found that Renttech was the easiest to use, and it was the least expensive one. How much is it? Uh, I believe it's uh they have I believe they have a free version, then they have a fifteen dollar version, and then they have a property manager vers- version, which is like thirty or thirty five dollars a month. I Meaning that what... you you can manage other people's properties versus your own. Okay, I want to go to your comment where you said you do a lot of prospecting via telephone. Is that for your broker business with residential properties? Correct. So being a real estate broker, I'm on the phones all day and I'm calling um, people who are looking to buy or sell a home or people in the area where I have worked with buyers and sellers. I'm always looking for business 
that way. So, and as far as building my property management company, primarily I want to try to help people sell their property. If I can't help them sell their property, I want to help them try to rent their property. And in many cases, it puts me in a situation, if I find a particular situation or circumstance, I may make the uh, buyer an offer on the property too. It's good to build my investment business as well. Mm, they call that so vertical just, integration. <laughs> exactly. I have an asset which is called a real estate business, which feeds my other assets, which are property management business and investment business. And they all feed each other. Out of the real estate business where you're a broker for, res- for residential sales, property management where you manage 54 properties, and the uh, buy and hold which one has been the most profitable for you, um, maybe last year? And then where do you see that trending uh, for the next 12 months? Good question. So my real estate brokers, the sales, that's my day job. It's what I do. It's my primary business. That's the most profitable. And for a couple and into the future, we'll probably be the most profitable, but I'm limited to time. The time I put in is the money I get out. In the next five years, I would like to see myself in a position where I only show up for my day job because I want to, not because I have to. And I want to do that through my property management business and my investment business where I'm making passive income and I have a process that's automated. With the property management, what's a typical rent for one of your properties? How much would that be? Good question. Right now, the average rent that, that we're having right now is about, uh, I'd say probably about $1,300 a month. $1,300. And, and when you're working with the owners, are there any things that, any, any tips that you'd give to maybe owners as far as how they acquire properties? And we're, we haven't gotten to the best ever advice yet, but I'm just curious as far as like tips you'd have for um how to acquire properties based on your experience as a broker and being in the or management business for eight years? There's two types of people. We've got people that are investors and we've got people that, you know, just have a home, an extra home that they don't need and they're just trying to rent it out um, until they can sell it. So in regards to the people that are savvy and they want to be investors, I, I'm, I'm always recommending to them to focus on the cash flow aspect versus, you know, buying a really chic area that is speculating to be up and coming. That way they can make a business out of it and, and actually pay all of their expenses, have cash flow left over to use to pay down their principal and their mortgage and just kind of reproduce that model. And I find that to, to be in um, some of the areas that cash flow the best are not always in the most up and coming areas. And I tell them to keep their options open to that. With your prospecting, I want to I want to go back to that because you've been doing that for twenty years, right? So, so you've been supporting yourself. Are you? Uh, do you have a family? Are you single? Full family. Full family. family. You got the whole shebang, okay? And how, how old are you? I'm forty one. Forty one. So you've been doing it since you're twenty one years old. Yeah, I haven't been prospecting that long though. I've been in the real estate business. I started prospecting full time. Uh, about 12 years ago. Okay. And that's the key to building a business. Um, you know, instead of, you know, there's two ways you can build your business, passive or active. 
And I chose the active way, where I went out and looked for my own business rather than waiting for it to show up. I love it. Well, with that, because I love talking to someone like you who has been prospecting for over a decade. You said that you're on the phone all day long. I'm, I've got my phone in my hand. I see that I have, I don't know, a bunch of contacts. But eventually, I can only call these people, I suspect, once and then they're you know i got to give them some time to not ha- not have me talk to them again unless i'm approaching it differently so how do you approach prospecting when you're on the phone all day long so when i'm prospecting i know how many people i start off knowing how many people i want to contact and i have an intention to set an appointment at least okay i'm not just there to make calls i'm there to set an appointment and that's the nature of the call, not to talk about business or close them. Just close them for an appointment, not close them for the deal. Okay, and then I'll do that the other half of the day okay. on the appointments. Okay, I have a script that I follow, and it's a question-based script, not a telling-based script. So where a lot of people make mistakes. I ask questions to find out their situation, what they're looking to do, what their motivation is. And then based on what they're telling me, I'm discovering what their problems are, and then I work to provide a solution for them. And that's what I use to close on the appointment. Um, and that's basically what I do uh, when I'm prospecting. About three hours a day I prospect, and on the other part of the day I'll go on appointments. Do you make appointments with people who aren't selling? Well, usually I'm always trying to pre-qualify when I make an appointment with somebody. It doesn't make a lot of sense to make an appointment with someone if they're not in the business to buy or sell or rent a property, it's not really beneficial for me to do that. So um, I'm always going to pre-qualify them to make sure that they're looking to make a move within a couple months. If they're not ready to move, you know, make a move right now, meaning sign a contract on something, usually I'm not going to go meet with them right away. But if their level of motivation is, is fairly high, I will. If they have an extreme level of motivation, I will meet with them just to preview their property and just introduce myself to them. But otherwise, if you go meet with people who are not motivated, it could be a complete waste of your time. Do you have a a quota, like a a David quota that you like to use whenever you're you're prospecting? What is that? I do, I do. So, you know, you've got to track your numbers in any business that you have, whether it, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're an athlete, whether you own a restaurant or you're a sales prospector. So I've got a, you know, I use a spreadsheet where I'm tracking hours prospected, days prospected, contacts made, appointments set, appointments went on, list, um, you know, deal, you know, contract signs, and then close deals. That way I can then study ratios. And then, you know, theoretically I should be able to know how many contacts I need to make to get an appointment, how many contacts I need to make to get a deal. And then I can kind of get an idea of how much money I make for every call based on that. So if I call 30 people and I get 30 no's, I know how much money I made by getting 30, you know, getting 30 no's. Ooh, I love I'm not going to go into those, I'm not going to go into those numbers, but if you think about it, you know, every no equals money. Yeah. Roughly. If you know what your ratios are. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to get into the specifics of all of them. Just curious as far as how many contacts do you need to make a deal, just from what you've seen? 
Uh, you know, it fluctuates it, it, as the market goes up and the market goes down. There was a time where I could I could make a deal. I could you know I make like uh, hundred contacts. I could do a deal, and then there were times where it was like two hundred to three hundred contacts to to get a deal. Right now, it's kind of high. So, how are you continually refreshing the the people you call? There's always lists of people that you're trying to tap into. You've got for sale by owners. You've got expired listings. You've got for rent by owners. Um, you've got people in the area, just people in neighborhoods. You could just call neighborhoods and cold call if you sold a home in the neighborhood or if you rented a home in the neighborhood or, or, or something like that. So there's always places you can get. There's absentee owner lists, which you can get off the tax records. People who file probate or divorce or, or things like that, you'll never run out of numbers to call. So these aren't people that you're, I mean, some of them I imagine are people that you're meeting at a, some event that you and your family attended, but in general, it's uh, from those sources that you just mentioned. And then you've got your past clients and centers of influence, kind of like what you're talking about. There's that list too. So you're going to call every 90 days. Wow. Interesting stuff. Well, David, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Okay, great. Um, what I say, what I learned, the key word, cash flow is king. And whenever you're looking for a property that you want to invest in, you want to start backwards. Uh, so you want to find out what the rent is, okay, number one. And then you want to find out, based on what the rent is you, and how much cash flow you want to make, to make it a sustainable asset for you to maintain, then you could plug in your expenses and then you know what you have to offer based on the rent and the amount of cash flow. You know how much debt service, you know, principal, interest, tax, and insurance that you can afford to pay and find out the offer price that you want to offer on the property. So I always go backwards. I always work my numbers backwards. Uh, that's the best advice that I can give as far as that. I always use worst-case scenarios. So if I have a list of expenses, I may round them up. And, and if I have um, income, I, I round them down. Because you know there's always going to be unforeseen things that are going to happen. So when you do that, it kind of puts a padding in there where you can still make money. And don't go for appreciation. Don't go for up-and-coming neighborhoods. Go for where the cash flow is. Like they say in Kiyosaki's book, just look for the cash flow. You've got uh, seven, let me see, I won't read this right. Yeah, seven buy and holds, and you've bought them in the last 12 months. Is that right? Yeah. How are you financing them? Is it all cash purchases? I did a few different things here, and I, and I learned, I made a few good mistakes, and I learned a few good things. I did some owner financing. I did some that were cash purchases, which I refinanced out, and some of them I just bought straight up, you know, with financing. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. Which one is your least favorite structure that you've done? Well, the least favorite structure is the one that you buy, you know, with a, tr uh, a conventional loan and you got to bring like 20 to 30% to the table, mm -hmm. least desirable because you're leaving money in the deal. And then at some point you can't reproduce your model anymore unless you've got unlimited cash. Yep. And I don't know about you, but, you know, if I keep doing that, I run out of cash. And then 
it all comes, my business model comes to a screeching halt. So anything that I've got to put the most amount of money into is the thing I like the least. So over the last 12 months, how many of those were traditionally financed versus owner financing versus just cash purchase? Just one was a traditional finance because it was, you know, a really good deal and I can cash flow on it. Um, but all the other ones, you know, I, I either paid cash, very inexpensive properties, I paid cash, and then I did, I refinanced out of them um, using delayed financing through Fannie Mae, which means you can refinance the day after you close on the property. You don't have to wait six months. And if you buy the property right, you could get all your money back and then reproduce that again after the deal closed. Because you got the money, you could do it again and again and again. What's that called? Refinancing day after delayed financing? There's, you know, Fannie Mae refinancing has an exception, which is called the delayed financing exception. And what that is essentially, instead of having to wait six months for the property this season, if you got the money, if you bought the property from your savings account or your your IRA, and you can prove that that's where you got the money from, then you can apply for refinancing or you can close on the refinancing a day, the day of closing or the day after you close. But that money is supposed to go back into the source where it came from, which is good because then you can go buy another one and do it again. Hmm. What other requirements? And I know you're 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 not a uh, a mortgage broker or loan officer, but just from an investor standpoint, what are are there any other main bullet points that we should know about the delayed financing exception? Yes. Besides that, you know they will they will typically do about a, I think it's about a seventy five to eighty percent loan to value. So what that means is you better buy your property 75 to 80% below what it will appraise for to be able to get your money back. If you don't do that, then you're going to leave some money in the deal and it's not going to feel good. And is the purpose of buying it cash and doing the delayed financing versus traditional financing up front, the speed to close? You're just a lot faster? If I buy it with delayed financing, let's say I buy a small property for $50,000. Let, let's use easier terms. Let's say there's a property that will appraise for $100,000 and I buy it cash for 75000 I could get my full money back out of the deal. Whereas if I go there and I buy a $100,000 property, I've got to bring $30,000 to the table, finance twenty five dollars to $30,000, and then finance, you know, seventy-five to eighty thousand. But then that money is stuck in the deal, and I can't get it back. So with the delayed financing, or with refinancing, if you buy the property for the right price, get it rented, raise the value of the property by rehabbing it, you know, theoretically you can get all of your money back, all of your purchase price back, not your rehab cost back. Yep. So it's all the trick is all in the purchasing price. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you want to learn more about turnkey property investment? Then I would go check out ohiocashflow.com. The founder, Angelo Ramora, has been on the show multiple times, both for Situation Saturday as well as sharing his advice. You can check out his advice episode 52, and you can check out his Situation Saturday where he talks about some mistakes he made in episode 410. 
This guy calls himself the real estate dingo. I mean, he's very entertaining. Go to ohiocashflow.com and you're you're able to get a turnkey property investment ebook for free by going to ohiocashflow.com. Best ever book you've read? The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Gerber, yep. I can see how you're applying that uh, especially most recently to to your your focus with the uh, passive income and the property management. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Okay, so best personal growth experience is I, when I realized, you know, from reading a book like that and Rich Dad Poor Dad series, that I don't own a business. That's, I have a real estate company, but I don't own a business. I own a job. And I'm going to be slaving for my job until I can create assets. And when I realized that, I'm changing everything where I'm somebody who owns assets, not jobs. And I'm hoping to be free of jobs within five years. So that was a big experience. Through investing and and property management and, and running my real estate business more like an asset than a job. Best ever deal you've done? Best deal I've done was the first deal I did. Uh, through prospecting, I met a nice lady who wanted too much for her property. Uh, market wouldn't bear it. So I was about to give up on the deal, and then I asked her if she would do owner financing. I learned who cares what they're asking as long as the payments allow you to get cash flow. Her property was worth like $50,000. I said, you want $75,000? I'll give you $75,000. You do owner financing, I'll pay you $200 a month. For 30 years, let's make it happen. She said, yes, I make $400 a month off of that property cash flow. <laughs> Owner financing. Oh, I love that story. I gave her what, I gave her what she wanted. Yes, you did. $200 a month for 30 years. I would have given her $200,000 for the property. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I cash flow. It, oh. it doesn't matter what you, what you pay. It's how much cash flow you make. So is there some sort of balloon payment or you're paying it off uh, at the end of 30 years with those $200 payments? I just send her $200 a month, automatic from my bank account, and I have it rented. I own the property and there's no balloon payments or anything. For 30 years, I pay her $200 a month, mm. which includes principal and interest. Mm. Best ever way you like to give back? Well, good question. Um, this is one way. Um, I don't consider myself, you know, like uh, by any means, you know, like a major expert. I'm still learning from people, you know, that you interview. Um, but if I could do things like this, answer questions and tell people how I did things, usually I'm very easy to talk to. If somebody wants to know what I did or any of my advice, I'm always willing to give it. And another way I like to give back is in all my involvements with the real estate investments, I'd like to show little kids what I'm doing little kids in my neighborhood and my nieces and my nephews just to let them know at a young age not to be a slave to the whole go to work and go to school and go to work and have a job and hopefully you'll be financially free one day to show them how to build assets. So I like to show little kids, you know, what I'm doing. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Biggest mistake was buying properties and leaving cash in the deal and then running out of my own funds and, and, and the, the, 
the purchasing model comes to a screeching halt. Yep. I'll no longer use my own money for, or as little as possible for any of the deals. And what's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? You can email me at david at davidkerner.com. You can call my cell phone at 704-280-0836. David, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice and your story and your lessons learned from prospecting successfully for 12 years, 12 full, full years as well as being in real estate for 20, your property management experience, and your buy and holds where you've got seven buy and holds in the last 12 months through uh, mostly creative financing. And I love the $200 a month for 30 years. I'll give you your purchase price. That's fine. That's the payment. And now you're cash flowing $400 a month. And I really enjoyed hearing about the different types of resources or or sources rather that you use to call whenever you're prospecting for sale by owner expired listings for rent by owners calling neighborhood associations i mean you you went through a whole list of it and um just a great great conversation learned a lot have a lot of actionable things for any best ever listener who is either a real estate agent a property manager or an investor I think that's everybody. Unless we've got some pest inspectors, and I do have some pest inspectors. I've, I've been emailed by them who uh, listen to the show just to get a sense of how real estate investors think. But either way, this has been very beneficial. And thank you so much. I hope you have a best ever day. And really quickly, best ever listeners, if you want to get in on the weekly email that I send out that recaps the lessons that I've learned from this week's episodes, just text the number 38470 and type best and then uh, put in your email and you'll get that weekly email plus a apartment resources guide with 30 sources for how I find deals. Thank you so much, David. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Have a great day. Do you want to learn more about turnkey property investment? Then I would go check out ohiocashflow.com. The founder, Angelo Ramora, has been on the show multiple times, both for Situation Saturday as well as sharing his advice. You can check out his advice, episode 52, and you can check out his Situation Saturday where he talks about some mistakes he made in episode 410. This guy calls himself the real estate dingo. I mean, he's very entertaining. Go to ohiocashflow.com and you're you're able to get a turnkey property investment ebook for free by going to ohiocashflow.com.